Don't touch that dial. It's the American Grooves Radio Hour with your host, Joe Laura. everybody this is joe laro and you're listening to the american grooves radio hour and tonight we'll be playing all kinds of sacred and gospel and sanctified music from the early years of the 20th century well you just heard the amazing reverend gary davis back then known as blind gary that's right this was uh, from his first session piedmont area Musician, He was recorded by the ARC labels in late 1934, I believe it was. It was certainly early, mid-1930s. And Davis 
moved to New York City, I think sometime in the 40s or 50s, and for many years gave guitar lessons. And I knew people that actually studied with him. He lived up in Harlem. And even at the Newport Folk Festival, when he's playing his set in 1964, he gives out his phone number right on stage and tells people to call him if they want lessons. But that was the remarkable Reverend Gary Davis. Yorma Kalkinen from Hot Tuna and so many other people were so influenced by his playing and his passion. The Reverend Golden Harris was a very obscure, traveling minister singer. He would play fiddle and sing sacred music, performing on street corners, tent shows, revivals. He only made four recordings, two of which were issued, two sides, I should say. One disc was issued by the American Record Company, issued on several different labels that they owned. And here is one of those sides. The other disc that he made was sold at his gigs, personal recording, extremely rare. But this is Live a Christian Life, the Reverend Golden Harris. When I can read my tight don't clear
found that recording. I was in the Tampa, St. Petersburg area of Florida, probably 20 years ago, visiting my folks who were down there. And I used to haunt a record shop, a huge record shop. I hope it's still there, called Bananas Music in St. Pete. And I got to know Doug, the owner, and his wife uh, quite well. And he'd let me in the basement and show me where the new stuff was from, you know, I, I usually would go twice a year. And I was going through just piles of I hate to call it junk, but to me it was junk, just useless shellac. And there was this shiny new melatonin recording, and I didn't even know who the guy was. I, I took it home, and I went, oh, my Lord, this is just a lovely rural sacred record. And then I found a little bit about him, and you've just heard it. Shake hand 
I'm going to tell my Jesus howdy. Sister Callie Fancy. I don't think she made more than four recordings, four sides for the Brunswick label back around 1930-31. Another example of one of these obscure, amazing performers from the day that were recorded during field chips down south by the major record companies. I don't know much about her, and if uh, anyone does, please share the information with me. Send it over, and I'll talk about it next week. But... um, Amazing guitar in the style of Blind Willie Johnson and so many other great uh, guitar-playing gospel singers. Another um, style of sacred music that was recorded back at the time, although not as much as some of the preachers and and guitar-playing singers, was sacred harp singing. And this was uh, choir singing based upon... um, shape note singing, which is an extremely early primitive style of singing where they use syllables like fa, sol, la, ti, do, and then words usually come in the second part of the song. And here is an example of one of the great Alabama sacred harp singing groups. And the tradition really continues today. There are sacred harp conventions where groups get together and have sing-offs and, and, and just enjoy each other's versions and, and arrangements of the sacred harp style of singing. In fact, um, the Alabama Sacred Harp Singers even appeared at the Newport Folk Festival around 1963 and 64. This recording you're about to hear, uh, made on the Columbia record around 1927, um, was a song that was sort of a standard. It's called Rocky Road. Oh! 
but public radio can you hear a sacred harp twofer. (laughs) That was the amazing Middle Georgia Singing Convention. On my first program of American Grooves, I told the story about finding this record. I'll tell it again briefly because it always amazed me. I was... um, literally 15 minutes from my house, I, you know, I passed by a furniture shop that I think I drove by a thousand times on the North Sea Road heading towards uh, Southampton. It was called Nielsen's or Neeson's. It was there forever. And I went in there and there was a little stack of records in the back by the furniture, all the used furniture. And I found this 40, this 78 for um, 50 cents. I'd never heard of it. It was a little 
small label okay by the Middle Georgia Singing Convention. I took the thing home and I just could not believe what I was hearing. I had never heard sacred harp music. And what's even more unusual is this is African-American sacred harp music. And that is extremely rare in that it was not recorded except for perhaps 10 sides altogether in the late 1920s, early 1930s. And I happened to find one right under my own nose. You never know, folks. You got to keep looking is all I can tell you. They only, as I said, recorded about, I think, six sides. And then another group called the Faso La Singers recorded on Columbia an additional four sides. And that is it for African-American sacred harp singing in the uh, pre-war era. I was lucky enough I'd say 10 years ago, to produce a film on gospel music called Rejoice and Shout. It was released in theaters by Magnolia Pictures, my friend Eamon Bowes, also a crazy musician and musicologist. And in the interviews for this film, I got the opportunity to speak with Willa Ward of the Clara Ward Singers. That was Clara's younger sister, and she was also an amazing pianist. And after the interview, she said, hey, would you mind if I played a little bit? And I haven't played much, she said. I said, oh, absolutely. So we went over, we got the camera rolling, and she played this style of piano that I had heard before, like a cross between barrel house, boogie-woogie almost type piano, but with sort of a sacred bent to it in that it was it was the type of piano playing that would have accompanied a sacred or gospel singer. And Willa told me that she was totally influenced by a woman named Arizona Drains. Arizona Drains was a blind female pianist who was at all the gospel conventions for many, many years. And for all of us, we're so fortunate that she made... 10 or 12 sides for the OK label back in the uh, mid-1920s, late-1920s. And she is really the sanctified piano player of all. She, I think she was more influential than anyone. Nobody really knows who she is. And her style is sort of like Jerry Lee Lewis meets Mahalia Jackson. Anyway, here she is, Arizona Drains. Oh, God, I'm proud. Oh, God, I'm proud. Ain't nothing ever for me. 
Juanita, Arizona Drains, an American gospel singer and pianist, and one of the first gospel artists to bring the musical styles of the holiness churches to the public with her recordings for OK. That side, God Has Got a Crown, was unissued by OK. I found a test pressing several years ago, and uh, it's on vinyl, so it has a nice quiet surface, unlike so many of the scratchier shellac 78s I play. Anybody that listens to my show uh, knows that I pretty much focus on pre-World War II recordings. I'm going to depart from that because these are just two amazing, uh, very obscure records that I want you to hear. First by someone I know nothing about. Her name was Willie Mae Williams. She recorded these two sides only. Well, I'm going to play one of the two sides on a very obscure small label, small Southern label. I'm I forget, maybe it was J&R Records. I'm not exactly sure what the label was. I don't have the record in front of me. But what I do have is the recording. And it's a tune called Don't Want to Go There, meaning she doesn't want to go to hell. And I don't blame her. Smith. What a shame she only recorded those few sides. What an amazing guitar player. You know, Utah Smith, he was a preacher, guitar player. He was one of the first 
preachers that was using an electric guitar and it was a big part of his act who is kind of a rudimentary though very exciting guitar player but the thick big thing about him uh is he had these wings <laughs> that he would attach to his back uh and his signature song that he always played was I've got two wings. And Ernie K. Doe, the New Orleans rhythm and blues singer, recalls seeing him in a church where they literally had him suspended on a wire through the air, playing the guitar on with his wings, singing, I've got two wings. And just one of these great things we could hardly even imagine today, this type of showmanship and certainly in the church. But he went on and on. He recorded I've Got Two Wings for many labels. Here is that song by Utah Smith on the Chess label around 1951. Thank you. 
amazing Reverend Utah Smith. You know, his church in New Orleans from, I guess, the 1940s into the mid 60s was a converted warehouse in Tonti Street, South Tonti Street, as I recall. And um, it was near a African-American housing plot project. And the church held about 1,200 people. And Smith, every, every week, put on revivals. Uh, welcoming singing quartets, small groups in the era in the era before large choirs was sort of the regular uh, sort of fare that you'd get musically in the gospel church. Who so had had quartets, you know. He called his church a two-winged temple in the sky, and he wore the wings, played the electric guitar, and even preached sitting in a coffin. I wish I could get on some sort of wayback machine and go to that church and witness this. It it had to just be amazing. I mean, thinking about it today is just so hard to believe. But that was Utah Smith, and he was part of that gospel circuit. You know, he also traveled around the country with so many people, Arizona drains. You know, there was an entire circuit of entertainment that was the gospel circuit, and they played churches and revivals and tents, and they got on buses and stayed in hotels, just like regular blues performers and pop performers, but it was a church circuit. And so many of the people uh, that you're hearing on this show today uh, were part of that gospel circuit. Everybody, so good to see 
morning on the mountain down in the valley you're gonna read just what you saw Lil McClintock, another one of these performers who came and went, recorded a few sides for Columbia right at the end of their race series, 1931. Uh, I believe that McClintock was... um, from South Carolina, was a street performer in Clinton, South Carolina, and soon became the manager of a furniture store over there. Uh, uh, heeded the call to recall, record for Columbia in 31, traveled probably by train to record, you know, the four sides at Columbia, and pretty much vanished after that. No record, no post-war recordings, nothing, but left this wonderful legacy of these four sides. And you just heard So Good Seeds, and I'm dedicating that to my good friend and record collector, fellow collector, Dan Levine, who listens to the broadcast once in a while. I hope he's listening tonight. Dan, that's for you, and thanks for turning me on to this great recording. Lord, crying holy unto the Lord. Oh, in that day when the bells don't toll, crying holy unto the Lord. Crying holy unto the Lord. Moses 
and holy unto the Lord, crying holy unto the Lord. The four and twenty elders bowing all around the altar, crying holy unto the Lord, crying holy unto the Lord. The Carter family who recorded all types of songs, murder ballads, sentimental tunes, 1890s parlor songs, and plenty of gospel and spiritual songs. That song, uh, they call it On the Rock Where Moses Stood. We, we knew it when I was in choir back when I was a kid as Crying Holy to the Lord. Same song, different title, one of those songs that have been has been around forever, recorded by black quartets, by bluegrass groups, and by the Carter family a little earlier than Bill Monroe, but nonetheless was released as a country release by Victor, and just classic Carter. They never made a bad record. Some are just better than others, and that's one of my favorites for sure. I think we're going to go from the Carters to something a bit more obscure. Joe Reed and Family, another one of these classic gospel songs, Little David, Play on Your Harp. Another quartet song. This is a family recorded on the Paramount label, the notorious Paramount label. Paramount was a chair manufacturing, and it swiftly folded during the Great Depression. Ha, ha, ha. Anyway, uh, Paramount recording of Joe Reed and family, Little David, play on your heart. Little David was a shepherd boy. He killed a Oh, 
take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Blind Willie Johnson, December 1929, recorded in New Orleans with Willie B. Richardson on second vocals, backing him up, probably his running partner, maybe his wife. I don't know the history of that, but one of his last Columbia recordings, one of his last recordings of all time, actually. Well, that about wraps it up for the American Grooves Radio Hour. Apropos to a Sunday night, we have a gospel and sacred show today. I hope you've enjoyed it. As you have heard me say before, all of these recordings coming from the original shellac 78s in my archive, and I hope you've enjoyed them. I tried to make them sound as nice for you as possible. But, uh, you know, sometimes they got a little bit of noise, but the music transcends, that's for sure. So until next week, uh, we hope you tune in. I'll be back next Sunday at 10 right here at WLIWFM 88.3 on your dial. Have a great week, folks. Radio Hour is brought to you weekly on WLIW-FM Southampton, 88.3 on your radio dial, and at WLIW.org, and all streaming formats.